Hello and welcome to Season 1, Episode 4 of Slam Hammer, an Australian Warhammer 40k and Kill Team podcast. My name is Will of Crossblade Studios and I'll be your host. Before we get started with this episode, I just want to thank everybody again who's taken the time to tune in over the past few weeks and listen to the podcast. I review all the uh, statistics for this podcast regularly and uh, it is still pleasing and very, very rewarding and gratifying to see that there is a listener base that is uh, continually evolving uh, and includes an audience not just in Australia but also internationally um, across Asia and Europe and in the Americas as well. So for all those who have listened over time, uh, thank you so much from the bottom of my heart. I really do appreciate it. And if there is anything that I can do to continually keep people such as yourself coming back, please do let me know. I'm always open to critique and feedback and particularly um, content you know, contributions as well. Those ideas are always great. And the ways you can submit those are via the anchor.fm platform where there is a voice messaging link. Uh, you can also contribute your feedback on Instagram where you can find Crossblade Studios at Crossblade Studios and also via email at crossbladestudios at gmail.com. So in this episode, we're going to touch on two things. With the massive previews on the weekend, it does make sense to include a segment which talks about the new additions for Warhammer 40,000, um, particularly uh, in light of 9th edition and a whole spate of new Primaris models. So that'll be what we cover off in the first part of this episode. So very excited to bring you that. In the second part, we're going to touch on something that's a little different. And it's going to be a segment which is devoted to Chaos Cultists in Kill Team and Warhammer 40k. And the idea that they should be given a real and coherent identity and role in the game, both in Warhammer 40,000 on the tabletop and in Kill Team, so that they serve a purpose more than just ablative wounds. And it'll be really interesting to delve into that, and especially because there is a new edition now of 40k coming out. It would be really interesting to see if this whole redesign and reinvigoration perspective that Games Workshop has taken will be applied to something like Chaos Cultists because so much is growing and changing and evolving, it would make sense for them to be included in this process. So with no further ado, we're going to skip to part one, which focuses on the announcement of 9th edition. So welcome to part one of episode four, uh, where we're going to touch on the announcement of 9th edition on the weekend just past. Uh, there was a tremendous lead up to the announcement of 9th edition uh, and Psychic Awakening played a big precursor role in that. So it was, it was good to see a culmination, um, particularly because Psychic Awakening had really putted out a bit. And I know that coronavirus kind of made any kind of substantive online media campaign a little hard to push. But I don't think Psychic Awakening from a campaign perspective was ever particularly good. Um, it didn't seem to have any real direction or uh, really um, come across as particularly important 
to the direction of the game. It just seemed like there was some vague threat which was um, being met through a new crusade and there was an inquisitor coming along who spoke to a harlequin. <laughs> it, it, did, it did lack any strong narrative underpinning. So I'm glad to see that that's kind of now fed into something which is actually really important. So we can now see um, a, a better and more um, a more deliberate direction of the game with a new feeling, um, a new aesthetic and brand new rules rather than just some really worthless campaign that led to nowhere. Um, so with the announcement of the 40k 9th edition. Can I just say at the outset that it is incredibly pleasing uh, to see a rendered high quality video from Games Workshop rather than some of those dynamic images. Um, focusing on high quality rendered video a la Dawn of War um, just strikes me a hell of a lot better and really grabs my attention more than those uh, strange dynamic art images did, particularly because the dynamic images which were feeding into Psychic Awakening and a lot of the releases that were coming out were kind of messy, um, and the characters which often were portrayed in those pieces of art were oddly proportioned and didn't quite make sense, and that kind of fed into um, a sense of frustration I'd developed through seeing what had become of Dawn of War 3 and Dawn of War 3 was a terrible game fundamentally so <laughs> automatically it's going to get a bit of a bad rep but what that also leveraged was dynamic image rather than videos for its campaign and that it just stunk of really poor quality and attention to detail and <laughs> I don't know whether it's fortunately or unfortunately, but at least in Dawn of War 3, that impression absolutely was reflected in the overall quality of the game because it dropped off really quickly. Relic refused to support it um, in any substantive way, and it was abandoned for whatever reason. I don't, I don't understand how a creative decision um, like that was made or any of the decisions that was made for Dawn of War 3, but fundamentally that ended up in a failed product. So it is pleasing to see that they're, they, being Games Workshop of course, are pushing 9th edition with a really great start, which is that cinematic trailer, um, which positioned the new Primaris Marines as these really stoic characters, um, which were neither invulnerable nor overly fragile. I know that in Dawn of War 1, the Space Marines came across as a little bit fragile when fighting the Orcs, um, and maybe died off a bit too easily, which, you know, for all the um, positives of the uh, Dawn of War 1 introduction cinematic was something which did um, strike me as a little bit unusual. Um, so they, you know, had the right balance there in terms of what qualities these new Primaris Marines had, they weren't too glorious or heroic um, and it kind of achieved the right balance between some characters which were reserved personally but also quite bravely 
um, delving into um, combating a Necron threat, which I thought was really cleverly done. Um, and the mar Marines in general were a good um, side set of characters to the Sororitas. Uh, I think that the Sisters of Battle, both as an individual character you see at the start of the trailer and throughout the entirety of that trailer, got the emphasis that they deserved as a separate faction. In particular, I thought the manifestation of faith as a healing power was impressive, but not excessive. So when there's a Sister of Battle who cops Gauss in the, in the right hand, you know, that's really hurting her, and she's able to stem the effects of that gauss shot without it becoming some unholy, <laughs> overly powerful um, benefit to her, which just leads her to go go in there like Doom Guy and smash it. Like, it was good to see that was restrained. Meanwhile, the Necrons were presented as this ominous, and I'm going to put this in inverted commas, pseudo-horror enemy. The reason why I say pseudo-horror is because they're coming across as quite dark and um, imposing, but they're not overly terrifying or... Um, uh, they're, they're not too graphic in the way they're presented. So they come across as cold and calculating, uh, and it kind of, again, strikes that right balance between being designed correctly to appear intimidating and powerful without being overly so, for the most part. Um, and I think that kind of feeds in well to presentation of Necrons as a 40k version of maybe the Terminators in the Terminator series. Um, some people have likened Necrons, and I know there's a lot of references in the background material to Necrons as a shambling horde. I personally don't find the concept of Necrons as a shambling horde of space zombies particularly compelling. Uh, and a lot of that has to do with the fact that they reanimate completely because of their construction. They don't just get back up again, um, like you might see with some zombies who are also resistant to pain and damage but can't regenerate. They're much more fluid and deliberate in their movements, and they're actually quite agile in many ways. And a lot of the time, they're actually very intelligent, whereas zombies tend to, you know, kind of just exist barely in their environment. Uh, and yeah, they are able to pursue an objective, for example. So zombies are able to move somewhere and basically defend themselves, but they're never going to be... A particularly ominous threat whereas Necrons kind of work together as this cohesive and networked force of ultra resilient humanoid um, yet technologically advanced enemy forces I think so while there's certainly some throwbacks and some concepts which can be tied to Necrons to make them akin to zombies they don't quite strike me as that way um, and particularly because there is an escalating nature of the Necrons. So anything beyond your base warrior isn't really a zombie at all, you know. So you've got Necron warriors in the most basic form, I guess you could say they're kind of zombie-ish uh, to go to an absolute stretch. But when you go to something like an Immortal or 
a um, a wraith or uh, <laughs> the silent king for example or a cryptek none of those make sense as zombies anyway so um, I think that to call them zombies is a bit of a stretch but I digress at the end of the video there is the classic cinematic trope of some um, next massive threat presenting themselves to the two heroes or protagonists in that cinematic trailer um, and I thought it was a great way to end it because you know nothing about the creature at the end because you've never seen it before and it looks large and imposing and terrifying but even that isn't really much compared to the extension of the Necron line so it'd be really good to see where they push it next and I really do hope that they take this video learn from the response to it and then make more they're always going to be very expensive and very difficult to produce but I do think this is such a fantastic start and such a positive thing for the whole community for this to be when ninth edition starts off so in addition to this fantastic trailer which was really pleasing to see uh, the advent of new rules is also very heartening for someone who'd become really disgruntled and disassociated with uh, 40k in general um, there were some really annoying and frustratingly worded cover and line of sight rules which didn't make sense to me at all as a player um, and that's the whole reason why I kind of stayed away from 40k because I just didn't feel like it was genuine uh, and this was explained as um, a really key decision for me in episode one why I chose the Death Watch so it's great to see it's being pushed in another direction so potentially the units I'm making just for the hell of it could actually have a role <laughs> um, and there's a reference now to improving blast weapons against hordes which is great but do you think maybe templates would have worked better I know that some people have said that some absolute dicks in the community have made placement of templates really difficult and create a lot of arguments and those arguments made the whole game more trouble than it was worth these toxic individuals are their own problem templates are not the problem they represent something which makes sense a blast weapon encircling a whole number of different units it being the whole point to cover more area and particularly when coupled with the scatter dice made for some fantastic results or some really entertaining results like in a tournament I played years ago I was playing with iron warriors that I'd borrowed off a friend of mine who worked at games workshop and uh, we had an iron warriors vindicator and a vindicator uh, for those who maybe aren't as familiar with space marines uh, uses a large cannon that does an extremely large amount of damage and used a fairly large template to represent the blast but that weapon also you need to use a scatter dice to determine whether or not you hit on target or it's scattered and I was just out of charge range for um, my opponent which at this time was another list of space marines so the idea was I would fire this demolisher cannon um, I'd wipe out the unit that was trying to charge it with power fists and all that sort of stuff and then I would continue to soak up damage and lay hurt on some more of the opposing models uh, and I went to go fire this weapon and you roll the scatter dice 
and all of a sudden it doesn't hit and it's scattered. However, the weapon scattered so much rearwards that it actually hit my own Vindicator in the rear of its armor and blew it up completely. So you can have those kind of really entertaining results with scatter dice and a template, whereas you can't really have that when you've just got dice. And dice to represent something like a basilisk cannon going off seems disingenuous to me. It absolutely makes sense for something like a Punisher Caton or anything that has a Gatling type of model to uh, have a buttload of dice. No problems there. But when you start talking about things that are large blast weapons, it does not make sense to me for those to not be accompanied with a template to represent the blast going off. So I do want to see what happens with these blast weapon improvements against hordes. Um, I still think that templates are better. Some people have considered the impact that it has on people's approach to play. Can I just re-emphasize, and I'm sorry for harping on on this, but the people who are making a big deal out of where the template lands and coverage are the problem. They are the people who take things too seriously. They are inherently toxic people, and hopefully those people have now left the hobby. I certainly hope so, because I've never met anybody who has big problems like that. Um, the only people who I've ever had any issues with um, were those who were debating rules with me because they were a little bit unclear at the time. But even then, that was something that we resolved straight away and kept playing. You know, I've been in situations where I've had half a Tau and Crute army just run away in the second turn because a Demon Prince just absolutely butchered everything and my army was useless. You know, is that fun for me inherently? Probably not, because the entire army I have is running away, and you kind of deploy an army on the table so it can actually do something. However, the fact that it all ran away was funny, but that's not my opponent's fault. And in the same way, if you drop a template on someone and it wipes out an entire unit, then why is that a problem? The whole concept of Apocalypse was designed around the, these massive templates and having these mass battles with things just being wiped off the table. And Apocalypse was redesigned so that everybody gets a go, so that everybody gets to use the unit that they brought. I mean, that that's the whole issue of probability. The pro whole issue of probability means that there is a chance the big expensive unit you brought for this particular game might get wiped off the table in turn one. But that's the game. It's not going to happen every game, because statistically that's unlikely. And people who have issues with that concept, I think are just maybe a little bit babyish. That's just me. Anyway, so, removing the capacity for small models like Gretchen to tie up something like a Bane Blade is also really great. Um, I've never used a Bane Blade myself, but I do appreciate how that might impact on people who do want to use vehicles quite aggressively and have them tied up. So having them be able to fire at point-blank range and hopefully wipe away these small units does sound like it's a really positive step. I know for those people who play Mechanized Guard or Astra Militarum, that sounds like a really great step in the right direction. And interfering with flyers now appears to be a thing of the past. So models cannot tie up flyers. That seems like a really great step as well. Again, wasn't playing 40k where flyers became uh, omnipresent. But the fact that these flyers can now do the job that they were designed for 
without a single miniature on the ground somehow tying it up is a great step. So 100% in the right direction. Keep doing what you're doing, Games Workshop. It seems like we're heading in a good direction. Finally, the Crusade narrative-driven mode sounds fantastic for those who love an adherence to theme and story like myself. And for those who played 54mm Inquisitor, uh, there was a inkling in that game to continually evolve your models based on what happens in each of your games, and the fact that this is now encouraging that approach to evolving your models to meet what happens in a game is also really great. Like I love the idea of continually revolving storylines which say I'm going to take Space Marine Scout and I know that the whole Primaris thing probably means that Scouts aren't going to be hanging around too long but Scout becomes a Tactical Marine, becomes a Terminator, becomes a Dreadnought for example. That seems really impressive to me and if you can represent those things happening particularly in things like Kill Team where someone comes away with a flesh wound you can modify a model so that it then represents that flesh wound or represents the loss of an arm or a leg with a bionic that sounds really impressive to me and i'm so impressed that that's now feeding in to warhammer 40k as a tabletop game i think that the more that it evolves to have this feel to it the more people can become attached to their models and their armies and really invest time and effort and focus and love into it rather than the entirety of 40k either being an extreme situation like apocalypse where it's blasting models off the table in tremendous onslaughts of firepower or an ultra competitive game where everybody who's playing it at a tournament level only really gives a shit about winning and i think that's a retrograde step where the game becomes all about winning and all about the tournaments and all about maximizing meta the fact that there's now this other element being driven into the fabric of ninth edition is fantastic for more details on all those rules, jump on warhammer40,000.com. There's bound to be more released in the near future. Um, that's what I know for now. It seems really impressive and really positive. So stay tuned and get excited because I think 9th edition is going to be absolutely fantastic. And I may even <laughs> come back to 40k proper. We'll see. Depends how much um, Death Watch gets out of 9th edition. We'll see. Now, on to the models that were released, or previewed, sorry, as part of the preview of 9th edition. So on the weekend, the Warhammer community team showed off assault intercessors with chainsaws and heavy bolt pistols and Necron warriors, as well as touching on the Silent King. I am that keen to put the assault intercessors to work as Death Watch Marines, purely because of the posing. I've been really fortunate to have a few dynamic poses from the Dark Imperium box set, which um, gave my counts as Death Watch veterans a bit more of a dynamic feel. Um, all of my intercessors are counts as um, veterans, except for one or two models here and there. So my suspicion was correct that this is where the aesthetic is being pushed. So these new intercessors will play directly into that. I'll still model my veterans as intercessors and I think that over time you'll see a complete absorption of that old marine line 
And at that point, I don't have to recreate anything because all my Marines are already <laughs> already these intercessor frames. Uh, and in a similar way, there are some other models which have come out which are now gradually evolving towards the same uh, Primaris aesthetic. And I'll touch more on them when I get into the specifics of the new models being previewed here. Um, but all these new and dynamic models, I can see lots of modeling opportunities for Death Watch. And that's really exciting. The new Necron Warrior models look pretty cool to me, and it's really great to see them getting some love. I actually preferred the plastic rods from before, but everybody has their stylistic preferences, and it doesn't make sense for Games Workshop to be producing these separate uh, semi-opaque plastic rods or components to fit in to um, any of the range. So I think it's just overall better for everybody to have these um, new models with a new frame, slightly new aesthetic, slightly updated look, and looks really great. Further to all of that, um, the Necron Warriors, again, they apparently have this shambling look to them, but I quite like the idea of the Necron Warriors, at least, being kind of like the T-800s in Terminator. Uh, or Transformers in the way they're quite fluid and deliberate in what they're doing and the fact they're also quite dexterous and agile and responsive to their environments. Um, I'm open to feedback on this topic again and I'm very interested to know what everybody thinks particularly because this is quite a personal topic a lot of the time um, and while I think that there's very little tying Necron Warriors, at least, to zombies. Some people might disagree. Um, so do feel free to contribute your thoughts um, via anchor.fm, via uh, Crossblade Studios messaging link on Instagram, or via email at crossbladestudios at gmail.com. I'd obviously love to hear more feedback on all of that. That would be absolutely terrific. Um, the little that has been showcased for Necrons... Um, it does suggest that there's going to be a lot more being previewed in the very near future, so I don't want to dwell for too long on all of that, other than to say that it looks like there are Destroyer Lords, there are Immortals, there's what's called a Scorpius Lord or a Scorpeth Lord, um, there's the um, Lich Guard, um, I can see Immortals, there are HD Wells, War of the Worlds type Orwellian... <laughs> walkers um, that have also come out in the previews that kind of take that Blackstone Fortress aesthetic a bit further um, and it just looks like everything's being pushed uh, in a very sci-fi direction that kind of has heaps of throwbacks to popular culture and I think when you culminate all that with the Silent King who's on a tremendous floating throne with Necron pylons floating around it in circles. I just think there's just so much that's exciting to come out for Necrons. And I do encourage everybody to keep their eyes peeled for more because they look huge, they look amazing, and their rules are probably going to match. So um, don't want to dwell on that any further, but it looks like Necrons are in for some really good times um, and hopefully they'll become quite an intimidating faction to play against rather than a kind of eh 
yeah, that's okay, kind of faction. <laughs> we didn't see any new models for Sisters of Battle, but not expanding the Adeptus Sororitas range kind of makes sense because their range only just kind of became available. Um, I know that's a bit rich in light of Space Marines always getting releases, but still, um, I'm really excited to see if they push that Sisters of Battle line further, where they could push it, especially given that Space Marines have now been reimagined in this really Crusader-type aesthetic. Will they take Sisters of Battle a step further into, like, the Witch Hunter-type field, I guess, because old... Um, Witch Hunters Codex is focused on this burning of witches and everything being quite um, gothic and extreme <laughs> in its design. You know, Penitent Engines being an example of that, um, as well as Arco Flagellants. Hopefully they take that range further, because particularly if they're going to redesign the entirety of the Primaris, they should be redesigning everything alongside the Necrons. And as an addition to that, Astra Militarum... They've featured in the trailer very briefly. I think they could have featured a bit more to emphasise that there's this whole Imperium fighting together um, and not seeing them, aside from the first few frames, was a little bit disappointing. But hopefully Astra Militarum as a faction also come along for the ride and get further releases because I know that they're Stormtroopers and... Uh, shock Troopers, sorry, desperately need updating, and it would be great if Astra Militarum just got some more supplementation and some more diversity, because the Cadian look is just quite old and dated now. They really do need reinvigoration, and if they can make upgrade kits for the different worlds that the Astra Militarum come from, they will sell like hotcakes. It's not a lie. People will buy the shit out of Death Corps. People will buy the hell out of Talan. This isn't difficult. Catachans and Cadians cannot be extent to which the range is pushed. Make plastics. Make them diverse. Make them configurable. And not just the same dude holding a las gun. Come on. If you're going to revisit Necrons in quite a substantive way and the Primaris in such a substantive way when they're a brand new line, you can look at Astra Militarum again and Xenos factions deserve the same love. It's obvious that there are some factions such as Eldar who've been languishing with such old models that are 20 years old, um, Dark Eldar as well, they desperately need an update to the rest of their line one set of aspect warriors for both the Syriani and the Drukhari is, is just not enough. Give us more. Give the people what they want. Keep the people engaged. Don't make this all about the Primaris because you're just going to disassociate a whole bunch of people even further. Tyranids, they probably need a little bit of a rehash a la Necrons to be, let's make them a little bit more like the Aliens franchise. A little bit less like these kind of almost cartoonish characters now push it in the right direction let's make something more gothic more terrifying for the factions that come across as darker and terrifying there is every potential for Drukhari to come across as completely terrifying and for Tyranids to do the same Tau can fuck off because they already have enough 
and they probably just need a reworking of their rules. They have so many cool things <laughs> already, and they float around, and they absorb all the wounds, and they blast the crap out of everything. I don't know what potential there is for Tau, but it would be nice to see some more Crute. Give us the Crute, make the Chicken Men a thing again, uh, and aside from that, let's really give each faction love here so that somebody doesn't languish off in the corner. Um, orcs can get more Mad Max. <laughs> let's see more, more Mad Max-ish Orcs. Um, there's the potential there, we all know there is, and Chaos as well. Let's bring them into line, make them a proper faction which is rightly intimidating for Marines. A Baron is not scary anymore because he turns up, he causes some damage, he might blow up a planet, and then he fucks off. Like, Chaos is becoming a bit of a joke. When all of the law says that Chaos turn up, they never commit to what they do when they walk off again, and all the art is depicting things like Corn Berserkers just getting teabagged by an Intercessor with a bolt gun, or sorry, an uh, auto bolt rifle, uh, and those corn berserkers are carrying swords. Like, it seems to me that Chaos as a faction have really lost their way. The new releases are a good start, but Chaos need to be pushed further and further in the right direction from a model and law standpoint. It's not enough. Because Chaos just don't have the appeal as the arch enemy anymore. That might be why <laughs> they picked Necrons as the um, antagonist in this whole story around the beginning of 9th edition. That, that makes sense to me. You know, <laughs> after Abaddon has failed numerous times to do anything of substance in the broader 40k universe, why should they be the arch enemy this time? You know, Nurgle, they kind of popped up for a second, I guess, around Vigilus and Dark Imperium, and they were supposed to be an important faction, but they kind of died off straight away. It's great to see they've got more models, but they're almost comical in a lot of ways. Let's try and push everything into this more extreme aesthetic, because I think Necrons and Primaris are in the right direction now. 100% think that's excellent. They're Baroque. They represent the might which they're held out as. Let's push everyone in that direction. Give the people what they want and you will sell models. That's it. <laughs> and to that end, I've already talked about the Assault Intercessors that are running around with chainswords. And it is really good to see that the Sergeant is being given options. The Sergeant for the Assault Intercessors looks like they can take a plasma pistol and a chainsword maybe they'll get another option like a power sword or a power fist just so they can do a bit more with their loadouts that would be great that would make me very happy blade guard veterans they're baroque as hell um <laughs> and i'm impressed with that design whoever designed the blade guard veterans you did a fantastic job however the name really sucks blade guard is probably about as lazy as you can get as far as a Space Marine name goes. Um, I know that with Primaris, you kind of have to try and protect your IP on everything, Games Workshop, but come on, Blade Guard's a bit dumb. Um, and these models, 
that have storm shields and what is mastercrafted power swords is probably a bit extreme. Um, they're kind of like demi lieutenants with iron halos as well. Like they're almost pseudo captains. Um, the blade guard veterans look cool. They're going to be immeasurably powerful, but that probably means that that's going to be one hell of an expensive unit. That probably, and I'm just going out on a limb here, probably begins to erode the role of Terminators. Particularly as they relate to Assault, because these guys, they're all equipped with Storm Shields, so they get a 3-plus invulnerable save, assuming that all those rules stay constant. They've got an Iron Halo, which for the most part is not just for aesthetics. It confers an invulnerable save. So perhaps they get a re-rollable invulnerable save and a mastercrafted power sword. And they've got a pistol. So these guys are hugely powerful in their own right. And these guys are just a veteran assault unit. They are that powerful. I think they will probably erode the role of Terminators. I hope not. I really want there to be a Primaris equivalent for Terminators that is not based on Graves Armor, but I suspect this is what's happening. And hopefully Blade Guard veterans find their way into Sword Brethren units for the Black Templars. Um, that would be great. I'd love to see that, but my fear is that these will erode the role of Terminators. So let's hope not. The Judicar, which was mooted or released... Um, or previewed, sorry. Um, quasi chaplainy kind of role. You can you can tell there are throwbacks to the chaplain aesthetic there with the skull mask and um, the black armor and the overcoat, which um, is interesting in design choices. But for those who think it's interesting, perhaps a bit odd. Um, what I was reading the other day was that the whole slung or hanging coat situation is actually a reference to Shogun or um, Samurai in Japan. And what that represents is a individual who is both dressed appropriately but ready to fight. So the Shoguns in Japan, when they indicated that they were both good to go, so all, all prepared, for inspection or or arrangement, however they were organising forces at that time, they would turn up like this, indicating that they were both good to go from a, a from an organisation perspective, but they were edging for a fight, and that's what the coat represents. The hourglass type situation, hopefully that has some kind of chronological impact where this model always fights first, or um, might impact the way that other models fight. That would be really good. Um, I know in Horus Heresy there are a lot of um, upgrades for things like Space Wolves where they, uh, they have these um, accessories or weapons which can impact time, and I presume that links to initiative, if that's how that game system works. I don't play it, so I don't quite know. But it looks like that might be something which plays in here. And that Executioner Blade, obviously that's going to be a Mastercrafted Blade. Like, I don't see any way around it. It's probably going to be just a direct parallel to the Master of Executions for Chaos. However, I hope that 
simply setting up everything with a parallel amongst the um, forces of chaos and the Imperium is not something that is perpetuated because they're supposed to be different. So let's make sure they're different. Um, I also think that the face is a bit dorky. When you're wearing a helmet, you probably don't need to be wearing a face mask. That's just me. Um, I can see a lot of conversion potential for this boy um, to convert him into an Empress Champion uh, or a Chaplain um, or Astaroth the Grim. Some people have suggested. So when this model comes out, just go nuts because it looks like it's absolutely ripe for conversions. So let's do that. Uh, <laughs> the Primaris Lieutenant. That's carrying, again, Storm Shield, what is presumably a Mastercrafted Power Sword and a Volkite Pistol. I actually thought this guy was a captain because he just had such an extensive loadout. But he's a lieutenant, so good on him, I guess. <laughs> the Primaris Lieutenant, um, really exciting for this guy to also feature in this more Baroque fashion. Um, I think Volkite coming into 40k as a game system could be interesting. I've never used Volkite weapons in any game system, but I do like to model them. I think they're a nice um, sort of addition to the plasma look. So it'd be good to see how these work as kind of like the midpoint between plasma and maybe melter weapons. So um, that's quite exciting. Hell Furies. I always thought Hell Furies would have this quasi-aggressor uh, look. And these guys kind of look like my heavies which I converted for my Death Watch, which are part Aggressor, part um, Standard Intercessor, for example, and have a bulkier look to represent their flexibility in deployment um, and their speed to keep up with everyone else. Um, they're being armed with melt weapons, so clearly they're just designed to drop in, do damage and get out, and I think they'll probably end up being deep strikeable units and may also play a role which erodes that of Terminators. Um, Outrider bikes, not much to say on them other than Ravenwing and White Scars. Players should be really excited. Um, right now we just see basic bikes, which is great. Um, it's really good to see them come back. I really hope that we start seeing characters for them because White Scars and Ravenwing being deprived of bikes this doesn't make any sense. So kudos for bringing them back. The bikes are a little bit stocky and squarish, but they'll never for me anyway. And finally, seeing captains and more chaplains coming into the system um, to put a variation on these character models is also really good. Please let the rules represent different outfitting options, both in 40K and Kill Team. Like having a Primaris captain, which has allowed a bolt rifle and power sword is just tremendously frustrating please give us more options for the love of god you're going in the right direction let's continue that theme it'll be interesting to see if any of these models translate into kill team from 40k i think that the assault intercessors and judicar will because um you know assault intercessors is just an expansion of an existing line and judicars are a nice thematic opposite to the Master of Executions. Uh, I can see a Chaplain fitting in quite nicely. Um, and for Necrons, I see the Warriors, Lich Guard, and Lords fitting in pretty well. Meanwhile, you know, things like Outrider Bikes, the Captain, 
hopefully a captain will be able to be outfitted that way. Um, a lieutenant, I don't see a lieutenant and kill team being able to be armed to the teeth like this guy. No way. <laughs> He's just blistering with weapons. Um, same with Blade Guard veterans. They seem like they're way too powerful. And Hell Furies, again, they seem way too powerful for Kill Team. Um, I, I would love to be wrong because they seem really cool, but they just strike me as units which would dominate. Um, absolutely dominate, and that's not the direction which Kill Team needs to go. Um, as everybody knows, I play Death Watch. I don't see Death Watch getting all of these. It'd be good to be wrong in that sense, but I don't see any of these models um, coming to Kill Team right away. And those that do, I assume it will be a subset. So we will see how that all plays out. Uh, yeah, so ultimately these models are still some time off. Um, if Kill Team 2nd Edition is going to come back or you know emerge under 9th edition 40k that would be fantastic i'm really eager to hear everybody's thoughts on these previewed models and what you think um, both for necrons and for the primaris marines but also the potential for models beyond these two factions let's have a conversation about where the range can go because that's ultimately what i want to know where is the hobby going where do people want it to go contribute your thoughts please via the voice messaging link in the anchor.fm profile on Instagram through Crossblade Studios or via email at crossbladestudios at gmail.com. So that was my dive into the uh, previews for 9th edition 40k. Uh, and I'm really, really glad that I got to take that time to explore all that and kind of lay out my thoughts. We're going to take a break now. When we come back, we're going to jump to our next segment, which was a segment which positions Chaos Cultists as an interesting development opportunity for Warhammer 40k and Kill Team. So hang around, and we'll jump to that in just a moment. Hello and welcome back to the second and final part of this episode of Slam Hammer, which is going to centre on... Chaos Cultists as a faction or sub-faction, both in the Warhammer 40k game and in Kill Team. And this ties in really nicely with the whole redesign, reinvigoration theme that we were talking about earlier. Chaos Cultists. When you think of them, what comes to mind? Typically, these guys only pop up as ablative wounds or objective holders and they have very little inherent substantive value. And a lot of the lists that you'll see put together featuring these guys very strongly tends to be a list which really champions something else. So, for example, you might have a Corn Berserker list which has three really um, angry Corn Berserkers in it and then a good 15 to 20 <laughs> or something uh, Chaos Cultists, which are just there to soak up damage while the Corn Berserkers go about chopping stuff. But why should that be the case? Is that all that our Chaos Cultist friends can aspire to? I think they can aspire to more, and I would encourage everybody to think about them as having a role which is bigger and better in the game than merely being a meat shield 
despite the fact that <laughs> Chaos Space Marines are very likely to use them as exactly that. Chaos cultists should stick out on their own. If gene stealer cults can sit aside from Tyranids as a standalone faction, despite previously being this kind of murky pseudo faction, I guess, um, you know, dated way back in the law to um, some of just the really old art, you know, these kind of partial gene stealer type things. Like they're always just in the art, but they never existed in the game. And all of a sudden they come springing out of nowhere and they've got all these incredible mutant models and, you know, cultists on motorbikes and snipers and assassins. Like, they've been given all this love for a faction that effectively is just a kind of less organised Astra Militarum that also has mutants in the same way. <laughs> Chaos cultists are also, in a big way, a slightly less organised for the most part at least, there, there's of course going to be exceptions to this rule, slightly less organised Astra Militarum with Ogrins to supplement them, or other mutants to supplement them. Right, And previously in White Dwarf, there actually was a renegade Imperial Guard faction at the time that was Blood Packs, and they had a very strong tie into Corn and their aesthetic and their rules were kind of reflective of the fact that they were in there to do damage as just this completely savage renegade Imperial Guard regiment. Why should that have been left there? Why couldn't there be all the different Chaos Gods represented in different Imperial Guard factions as renegades, or even the Undivided as renegades? Because these Renegade, Imperial Guard, or Astra Militarum factions haven't been revisited in any substantive way since then, until Blackstone Fortress. And Blackstone Fortress is a bit ragtag. Like, there is a Chaos Cultist, which, yeah, kind of looks like he's evil in some way, but what kind of ties him to the next guy, other than an interest in... My Chemical Romance albums and maybe hurting those who have wronged him. Why is he in Blackstone Fortress at all? Like, <laughs> these questions don't have an easy answer and it leaves me genuinely confused as to why some firebrand type dude with a massive flamethrower is the leader of a couple of other renegade Imperial Guardsmen who don't necessarily have a thematic tie to him. Like, what binds them together thematically. Very little, I would suggest. And the Chaos Cultist range at the moment as a standalone model box is limited to five guys. Like, why? Why can't we be more expansive, particularly in light of all the changes now being made in Necromunda with the Corpse Grinders? If the Palanite forces can be upgraded if the uh, Corpse Grinders can emerge as this really gruesome faction that really ties in very nicely to the whole corn theme, I would have thought. And if House Orlock can be updated with new models and sculpts, and there's all these really cool things going on in Necromunda that reflect variations on the same humanoid design, 
why can't Renegade Imperial Guard have more? That is a big question for me. You know, when I was looking at developing my own antagonist kill team, the first thought I had was that I want to take the antagonists from the division and put them into kill team as Chaos Cultists because that reflects the bad guy in inverted commas theme. That was the idea. They are bad. There is nothing good about them. You know, in the division, you've got rioters, you've got Rikers or prisons from Rikers Island, you've got Last Man Battalion and the Cleaners, all representing different ways of fighting. And they would have a fantastic place in Chaos Cultus if there was the breadth of models and abilities. But there isn't. So the only way to model these guys effectively is to take Astra Militarum and model Astra Militarum guys or take those rules and then fit them in to a set of models which are unfortunately going to represent an Astra Militarum weapon set far better than a Chaos Cultist one. You know, the antagonists in the division are largely homogenous, like there's nothing too unusual about them, save for some really large fellas. You know, the <laughs> Rikers Island, sorry, the Rikers uh, heavies, and the same in um, Last Man Battalion, they have some quite large bruiser type characters which fit in nicely with ogrens i would have thought um and you know those play into the whole ogren slash bulgren type offset and play in nicely there uh you have things like snipers and comms guys which fit in nicely um with the last man battalion you have rikers for the people with improvised close combat weapons there are guys with shotguns there are grenade launchers and plasma and commissars like everything just fits in nicely you can tie that nicely into these guys from the division you can't do that with chaos cultists because they just don't have an appropriate weapons breadth or rank and file options and ultimately they don't even have good command options outside of a commissar that is a native human type character you know, because we're taking out the Space Marines. You know, the the Legionnaire um, leader, he, he doesn't have the leadership trait, so he's not useful in this context, and he doesn't fit the same aesthetic I'm going for. Right, the, what Chaos Cultists really need is a platoon leader or company commander type option at that 15 to 20 point level, because it makes sense that a whole bunch of Imperial Guardsmen or Astra Militarum Troopers would blindly follow someone like this into a situation where they become subject to the influence of the chaos gods and then become a renegade imperial guard faction or they might simply follow their captain or their colonel into a situation where they become abandoned or abused by their overlords in the astra militarum and they decide fuck it we're done with all this shit like all they gave me was flak armor a las gun uh, a bayonet and some um, and some corpse pulp rations for the next few weeks. Like, I'm done with this crap. I really want something else. So I'm going to join corn. I'm going to cut up some animals with my axe or my entrenching tool. I'm going to eat steak. I'm going to hang out with these Slanishi types that I found who tend to please me in all the right ways. And that's 
just a better way of living. And to be honest, who can blame them in many respects, to be honest? But when it comes to the list and variation in the list, flamers, grenade launchers, and heavy stubbers are not enough. It, it's just not particularly to um, have Chaos Cultists available as a standalone faction that can do something, because they just can't, aside from soak-up wounds. And they could be more than that. If they had sniper rifles, because it is not inconceivable that a Renegade Imperial Guard faction might have some guy who's a pretty good shot. Shotguns also could make sense for a Renegade Imperial Guard faction or Astra Militarum simply because some might have an inkling towards assault and melee in the same way that a Death Watch model with a shotgun can, can uh, lay into melee and complement those characters quite well like shotguns could play in really nicely because they're brutal and they're up close and they're personal and if you really want some guy to tell their opponent to fuck off back from whence they came a shotgun is a good way to deliver that message and finally giving them something like a heavy weapon like a missile launcher would add some punch to them and help them remain thematically cohesive without being overkill without anything like in the plasma or melter department then they're severely lacking something like a missile launcher is not overdoing it something like a multi-laser is not overdoing it and something like a heavy bolt is not overdoing it you know so i think there's a great way to just really happily and easily expand the chaos cultists purely in their own right as humanoid models to be thematically cohesive and more powerful without being overkill. Now, in the extension of Blackstone Fortress, you can get a Renegade Commissar and a melee-oriented Ogren. The melee-oriented Ogren only adds a great deal of value as a bodyguard for the Commissar, although he can operate on his own, as you expect. He either has to be the bodyguard, which he's designed for, or he becomes a bruiser or aggressor and therefore doesn't serve his thematic design, which is a bodyguard to a commissar. So you kind of have this really awkwardly placed unit, which seems cool on its face, but doesn't quite fit into a role which is flexible and adaptable in the same way that Ogren and Bulgren sort of combination at least, or option um, does. So if I want to have again referring to my proposed the division antagonist kill team i could have a bruiser which would be really easily implemented through the bulgren and there are plenty of model, plenty of characters sorry in the division which have that kind of melee focus and in particular um the ogren being tough and having the ripper guns and everything else just makes perfect sense as uh, the heavies in the division because they just stomp and they just do all this damage and the Rikers for as well so they can they just stomp up they just unleash with ripper guns and they mash you in close combat like it just makes sense they would add flavor and depth to renegade kill teams and they're still faithful to the law it's not a stretch to say that these Ogrens being complete idiots most of the time would just simply again follow their leader or their commissar into these situations where they fall foul to chaos 
And given they're probably so impressionable, they're probably going to fall before everyone else. And they bring that strength and toughness to situations where they can then exist on their own. Do they just become the reflection of Astra Militarum? Not if they have access to things like heavy weapons. There is, of course, the risk that they could just become a carbon copy, but think about the ways in which that could be expanded, particularly because they have things like renegade psychers and negavolt cultists, which emphasize the way that these lists play in ways that Astra Militarum do not have. Like, they don't get the negavolt cultists. If they also didn't get something like a missile launcher or a multi-laser, in a way, kind of like the Syriani, because they get their weapons platforms. It would make sense for another humanoid faction to have access to a heavy weapon, because it would give them some punch, but also force you to think about your weapons options in a quite considered way. Because if you have to stay still to use your heavy weapons as, an, as a renegade faction, and potentially have two people manning that weapon then it would add punch but also reduce your tactical flexibility because you have to account for the fact that you've got a heavy weapon which will then become bait for deep strikers. And that just makes sense. It would emphasize and improve the game dramatically to have those kind of options available to your humanoid types. And it would also add AP to Chaos Cultists because aside from the Renegade Psyker, the Ogren Bodyguard and Negavolt cultists, there is very little AP for Chaos cultists. So against something like Terminators, they struggle because there's nothing they can do against their 2 plus armor save. And Custodes, well, the Custodes just come in and beat the absolute snot out of them. Having a heavy weapon would help them resist that kind of damage. And it would also help Chaos cultists resist things like the Primaris Suppressor. So when the suppressors are floating round with their auto cannons, blasting the hell out of everything and reducing their enemies' capacities to shoot back, then Chaos Cultists don't have a good answer anywhere in their list. Adding a heavy, heavy weapon would give them that capacity to do more. And I feel like we owe it to Chaos Cultists, given their potential for flavor and depth and thematic and visual variation to give them more to play with. And particularly because all the things that really emphasize Chaos Cultists right now through the expansion of Blackstone Fortress, they're quite weak. Like a Renegade Psyker and the Negavolt Cultists, they, like, they don't have a great arm save, and yeah, there are potentials for invulnerable saves and all that sort of thing. But what do you think is going to be positioned in front on something like a Negavolt Cultist. And let's let's put the Death Watch in this situation, right? What would you put in front of a Negavolt Cultist? You, you could stick any model in front of that as a sacrificial lamb and just blast the crap out of it with AP, right? And if the AP doesn't work from something as simple as your special issue ammunition, then you've got things like the Xenophase Blade, which can force them to re-roll those invulnerable saves if they're successful. Or you could just fire the frag cannon and wipe them off the map because they're going to be numerous but weak. You could use the Infernus Heavy Bolters Hellfire round. Um, and it just <laughs> you could stick a Terminator in there and just completely rip them to shreds with the assault cannon 
or cyclone missile launcher like these guys are useful but they need to be supplemented something with a four plus armor save with or without an ap capable weapon makes sense as an addition to the chaos cultist line something with like a shotgun or even like a las gun and a melter bomb as a combination in something like a suicide vest would make a huge difference to these renegades and give them another point of difference from their astra militarum counterparts think about chaos cultists running in to sacrifice themselves for their gods and blowing themselves up like yeah there's there's all this theme about you know suicide bombers and how thematically or politically incorrect that might be right now in you know times where there are terrorists that kind of blow shit up and that's that's awful of course but this is 40k and it's inherently terrible so if we take a model which can run in blast something with a shotgun blow itself up with something akin to maybe a melter melter bomb maybe not as strong as a melter bomb but certainly pretty strong or like a demolition charge something marbo-ish even if they're expensive that would help or if you have like renegade stormtrooper type models that you know might have a hell gun but not the um not the multi-laser or what the hell the hellfire volley gun or whatever it's called um you don't need to give them the melters the plasmas maybe the grenade launcher because that makes sense but give them something to add flavor and depth shotguns would be hugely powerful and hugely useful particularly if they were coupled with a survivable model that was able to be equipped with like the veteran specialty or the zealot so they could run in do some damage and blow stuff up or scout something like that something to keep them moving and flexible and really adaptable to different circumstances that would be amazing and also giving them something like a dark mechanicum tech priest with a servo arm and power axe and like a three plus armor save for all the power armor they wear that would be hugely beneficial to them because if you give them something like a dark mechanicum tech priest then they would also be able to act in concert with negavol cultists because they're also these dark mechanicus types so it's still thematically consistent and psychers could confer something like a feel no pain or a plus one strength on these models to keep them in combat or to help them emphasize their combat abilities and then if you get something like a commissar or a company commander issuing good orders to them to keep them in the fight further or emphasizing their ability to hit then you've got a dramatically enhanced faction something which can actually stick in there and do damage and not just be this comic relief for the space marines because the chaos space marines are great they deserve their own place and they are awesome and if the chaos space marines end up taking something like the chaos cultists and they still play that role then fantastic but if somebody wants to take chaos cultists without the need to supplement them with something particularly with the extensive extraneous material they need to now rely on an extension to their line in the way that kind of that you know sort of includes a renegade stormtrooper or dark mechanicum tech priest makes more sense than a chaos beastman type supplementation through blackstone fortress 
it is more thematically consistent and allows for those slight, slight variations on the aesthetic from a humanoid model, which is very strict, Astra Militarum versus Renegade. And there are huge modeling opportunities for those people who want to take Astra Militarum and make them Renegade, but give them the opportunities to do more with it because the very small number of models is not enough. Give them the opportunity they deserve to do something cool. And if they don't want to take something like Ogrens, do something completely unexpected, especially given that the Assyriani get walkers. Maybe give them something like a Sentinel with like a power lifter as a power fist or a buzzsaw as something like a chain fist and flamers on it. This would add some punch, some survivability, and also reflect improvisation by these disorganized forces who have just come together at the last minute and decide they all hate the Imperium a bit. These would reflect huge improvement opportunities. They are both fluffy, they're cool as hell, and if Astra Militarum and Assyriani can have these walkers, that helps them stick around. Like, if Assyriani can take the Wraith Guard, why can't the Astra Militarum take a walker of some description? They're never going to take something like a Dreadnought. They don't need it, and it's not consistent with the game for them to have a Dreadnought, nor is it consistent for Space Marines to have a Dreadnought. But something like a Sentinel is tough enough, but not too tough. So that would be great if that could be improved too, because if you could have something like a Sentinel stomping in with buzz swords and flamers or a multi-laser just to shoot shit up a bit, that would dramatically alter the way these guys play and give them that depth which makes up for the lack of weapons that they don't get to have because, oh sorry, the lack of weapons in the sort of melter and plasma department that would be available to Scions and Astra Militarum and is a key point of difference. While we're talking about redesign and revitalization, let's keep extending that Games Workshop. Please don't let Chaos Cultists languish as mere extras in the story that is Kill Team. There is so much potential for these guys, and you've just let them languish. Give them an opportunity to really shine on their own because it both gives us more options for factions in terms of loadouts, but also allows you to push a great story that plays into your own playstyle. So what would all of you like to see expand or improve in Kill Team? Is there anything from the broader 40k universe which might fit in? Is there anything that you think might be able to be redesigned or improved? Please send in your feedback, because I'd love to hear on this point too. I play Kill Team primarily, and if I move into 9th edition 40k, that's great, but I'm going to be sticking with Kill Team because it just suits me so well and I love a good narrative. What could improve this further? Please send in your feedback. There's a voice messaging link on the anchor.fm profile. Reach out to me on Instagram at Crossblade Studios or via email at crossbladestudios at gmail.com. Thank you so much for your time today. I know this was a long episode but it's one that I really loved writing up and really loved talking about. These are two really hugely passionate things for me, and I hope that passion was reflected in the podcast. I hope you enjoyed it, and I hope to catch you in the next one.